you are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome to Lockdown Angels, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, now brought to you by Hotels.com. You're locked in with Taylor Blake Ward. It's uh, been a month for us on the audio department, and uh, thank you to Jason Hernandez, Stimpy JD, for those of you that know him through uh, the Lockdown Angels podcast. He's been helping us out, and he helped us out with some audio issues, and hopefully we have it figured out for uh, an extended length of time, and uh, had a wild weekend, had a great weekend. I was at the Forum to see Mana, their record-setting uh, seventh concert at the Forum. That was a blast. Played some baseball on Saturday, and I'll tell you, I'm uh, I'm paying for it. So how these guys go out 162 days a year and play baseball is, uh, you know, I, I love playing baseball, and I, I'm, I, I'm not bad at it. I won't say I'm bad at it, but, uh, you know, my body really feels it. When you catch for nine innings, uh, it wears and tears on you. So I had a fun weekend. Um, my car was broken into. Not so fun part of the weekend, but uh, it happens, right? So that's not what you're here for, though. You're here for Lockdown Angels. You're here for your questions, our question and answer from our Sunday night Twitter question and answer. We usually do this on Mondays, but if you listen to yesterday's show, you understood that our audio issues... Uh, Man, I was holding back uh, my temper <laughs> when the audio issues just were not working. And um, uh, But thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your patience. We are going to get to your questions. Before we get to that, though, we got to remind you to follow us on Twitter, at Lockdown Angels. You can follow me personally, at Taylor Blake Ward. Also, make sure to download today's show or any of the episodes through the Lockdown Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also, you can use your smart device to play Lockdown Angels. Just say, hey, Alexa, or whatever your smart device is, play Locked On, then say Angels. Hopefully, I'll be right there with you right as soon as you say it. And of course, suddenly, as I say, we don't have audio issues. I hear the echo in the background, so hopefully I can fix that. <laughs> but let's get to your questions here. We're going to start off with some miscellaneous and prospects, as we usually do. And let's start off with a question from a very loyal listener, Scott Stutter, at Scott Stutter. He says, any idea how your podcast schedule is going to be after the season is done? When news breaks for Angels, you do a pod, but otherwise you get an off-season? Question mark. <laughs> I need to read better. Um, Scott, I don't know what my schedule is going to be like. I do plan on sticking around as long as I can, and uh, hopefully David Locke will want to retain me. Speaking of David Locke, hey, David, if you're listening in, I just saw pa- uh, Paul Westfall, and he says hello. So, um, Also, David, if you're listening in, this is kind of for you and me to chat about. Uh, I have to talk to David about this. Um, and see what he wants to do schedule-wise, what he wants me to do here. Um, I don't know if we'll be doing uh, five episodes a week. I think that might be tough during the offseason when things are very quiet. Um, but obviously, if something newsworthy comes along, you know, we want to have the breaking news. We want to have something like that. And, uh, yeah, we would love to do our regular Monday show. We'd love to be able to bring a podcast to you regularly in the offseason. So hopefully we do have something kind of in store for you. I do have some interviews lined up for the offseason prospects and major leaguers alike so that'll be exciting and also uh, Jason Hernandez is gonna have locked on ducks uh, Anaheim ducks so that'll be fun to kind of step in and help him out and uh, hopefully you know uh, maybe I can work as a producer maybe a co-host at times uh, and we'll see what Jason wants to do with that and uh it'll be a fun offseason we'll see what happens hockey season right around the corner uh, something to look forward to 
Question here from Ryan Mancuso, our last real miscellaneous. How is your fantasy football team doing? Um, They're doing fine, man. Uh, no one cares about your fantasy football team except for yourself, so I'm not going to bore you guys with my fantasy football team. Uh, next one here, something we've touched on before. It's from MLB Revenge, at MLB underscore Revenge. Why are all the Dodgers minor leaguers able to come up and instantly hit well, BD and Rios, while the Angels minor leaguers come up and struggle? A lot of this has to do with development. Uh, you did bring up some guys. You brought up Matt Feist, Jared Walsh, and Taylor Ward. When you compare those guys to uh, Matt Beattie and uh, Edwin Rios, there, it's you know there's a difference in athleticism, a difference in talent. You you did bring up rankings. We this is kind of the conversation that we had, and just watching what the Dodgers did with these guys, you know, sometimes these guys really tap into what the the philosophy is, and it, it sometimes it's very simple. And it works for a, a short period of time. And that's kind of what the Dodgers have going. Their development staff is among the best in baseball. We've mentioned that before, that the Dodgers are so good at developing players. Uh, and the Angels are just a step behind. And that's not just the Angels. That's baseball as a whole is a step behind certain teams. And we've mentioned that before on the podcast. Uh, great question. But it's something that uh, – go back and listen to a few of the last few um, – Sunday night Twitter question answers, and I think you'll find some uh, information there. So, next one here from Awatucky Tuckier. It's Rex Coop at Rex Coop. What's up, Rex? Gosh, change your stinking name, man. Um, <laughs> I know Rex. I can say that to him. He says Cole Calhoun will get the Cole Calhoun will get his second Gold Glove this year, right? No, I don't think so. Uh, looking at all the defensive metrics that are going on, right fielders, qualified right fielders in the American League. Cole Calhoun ranks like seventh or something like that when it comes to just defensive metrics, things along those lines. Um, I think it's going to be Aaron Judge or Mookie Betts, and I think it's kind of a walk away with one of those two guys. And it's surprising to Aaron Judge because I never thought of him as the, a great fielder. I thought he was a great hitter. Uh, Mookie Betts, though, he's a good fielder. He's a great fielder. Gosh, that throw he made last night, that was fantastic. But I keep digressing. Um, Cole Calhoun, he's a great right fielder. He's a great defensive right fielder. But this year, just the metrics just don't line up. And I think it's going to be Aaron Judge or Mookie Betts that wins the award in right field. Speaking of votes, this question comes from uh, Cody Keen at HaloFan4Life94. Knowing that awards are voted on before the postseason, do award voters usually wait until the season is over to cast their votes? Or can votes be cast before the season ends? So, yeah, when it comes to the Baseball Writers Association of America, they can cast their votes before the season ends. For the most part, when I talk to them, most of them say they wait until the uh, final couple days of the season to make a decision. But there is a deadline. I don't believe I've ever asked what the actual deadline was for them to turn in their votes for these awards. And they vote for awards like Most Valuable Player, Cy Young Award, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year. And they're all given a, a very specific title, and they're all within their own market. But yes, some guys, some girls that are voters for the Baseball Writers Association of America do turn in their votes prior to the season ending, and some wait until the very last moment that they can, which I personally think is the smarter move to get a full season worth of information to support your uh, ballot. Next question here comes from DB Halo fan at Jake's Crane John. He does a great job over at Talking Halos. He says, "Hey Taylor, going to the game Wednesday? Are Trout and Otani in the dugout for games for the rest of the season, or are they home rehabbing? Was hoping to catch a glimpse of them before the season ends. Also, do you plan to attend any games the last week of the season? Uh, well, hey John. Uh, in return to my hey Taylor, appreciate that. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, that's something that is kind of on the team, kind of on Trout and Otani to take care of for themselves. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't be in the dugout, but at the same time, if they're not, it also makes sense. That's just not an answer I have. It's an I don't know answer, which isn't always the best one. Um, as for if I will be at games this week, that is up to the boss, which is my wife, which is fine with me. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of storylines. It's the end of the season, things like this. Uh, I do kind of plan on going over the weekend. Um, if I do go, it would just be to uh, talk with the players, get a little bit audio samples for the podcast here. Um, but I don't really have any plans. My schedule's kind of blank, and it's up to my wife. And uh, like I said, you know, when it, I've got a little bit of an independent feel uh, this year, which is really nice being a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Is I'm not having it's not I'm not being uh, forced to go to games, which I don't think you ever have to force me to go to games. But uh, with my travel schedule, things like this, my other work schedule, uh, covering the draft. Um, my wife kind of dictates a little bit of my other days, uh, which is really nice. And I appreciate that from the lockdown podcast network and David Locke. Um, but without being too harsh on anything, I don't have a real reason to go to the angels and go get audio samples or anything like this, or head down into the clubhouse. Uh, I might, I want to head out and say goodbye to people from the press box, wish them a well winter, uh, go see some of the players and say, Hey, you know, have a great winter. We'll see you come, uh, springtime, everything like this. I'll see you out in Tempe. Uh, but outside of that, no, I, I'm not certain. If I do head out, though, uh, feel free to uh, try and reach me. And uh, if I have time, I'll try and leave the press box before the game and come and see you wherever you're sitting. So thanks, John. Appreciate that, man. Next one here, and we're going to kind of tap into some prospects here. The first one is from Chris Chapman at Daddy 76 says, Chris Rodriguez, he's one of our best pitching, uh, best pitcher stuff-wise, pitching prospects, but he just can't seem to stay healthy. Have the Angels disclosed what his injury was? Will he work out in winter leagues since he hardly pitched this year, or is he shut down this year? Um, yeah, they, they let us know what the injury was. It was a stress fracture in his lower back, same injury he had the season prior. Uh, he did have the surgery in May. Um, his recovery time process kind of set him up to be back right around this time. I did not get Instructional League rosters. I don't know if he's uh, pitching in the Instructional League. To my knowledge, he is not uh, pitching in any Winter League this year. Um, but yes, Chris Rodriguez definitely, in my opinion, he is the Angels' best pitching prospect at the moment. I think he's fantastic. Uh, when I put my personal top 30 out, he was my number four guy behind the three outfielders. But no, uh, it is a shame that he can't stay healthy, but... Uh, no, I don't believe he's pitching this winter, and the injury was uh, disclosed. So Another prospect question here comes from Ryan Mancuso again, at Ryan Mancuso. Looking at Arizona Fall League stats, I see some good. Uh, Jim, pff, ah, tongue-tied. Brandon Marsh and Jemai Jones, and some less than good. Joe Adele, albeit in uh, limited sample size. But is the AFL considered more of a competitive league or a spring training type league where guys are working on different things? So don't look at AFL stats. Do not look at Arizona Fall League stats. It is way too small a sample size, and the competition level varies so widely. You're never going to get a good read on statistics when it comes to the Arizona Fall League. Uh, is, when it comes to is it competitive or is it like spring training, it's different. Some teams send guys that were injured and missed part of their development. Some reward players who had a great performance. Some are fringe 40-man guys that are going to be Rule 5 eligible, that there's a decision to be made, and the extra month kind of helps the teams. Um, it all changes, but when it comes to the 
statistics, man, I am tongue-tied right now with this question. It's not worth it. There's zero reason to look at stats when it comes to the Arizona Fall League. Uh, the competition varies too widely. I mean, yeah, if a guy goes out and hits 700 or goes out and strikes out and every time he goes to the plate, it's a little different. But no, I, there is no reason to look at statistics for the Arizona Fall League. Speaking of statistics, uh, this is a great question from NM Baseball 52 He says, if the Pacific Coast League is going to remain as the joke it was this year, do you think teams will just stop sending pitchers to AAA? The minors are supposed to be for development, yet the PCL seems to not be providing any of that. Would you have your top pitching prospects skip AAA if it was your decision? That's a wordy one. So let's start with this. Um, do you think teams will stop sending pitchers to the Pacific Coast League? Jerry DePoto did this when he was with the Angels, and he's done this with the Mariners. He has called up players from the AA affiliate before even having them set foot in uh, AAA, whether that's uh, that was Salt Lake or now Tacoma, um, and kind of more the organization guys who are trying to earn a job uh, instead of being prospects, they are going to Tacoma while the real prospects can make the jump straight from Arkansas. So Jerry DePoto is well ahead of this. I think we do see some teams do this. Uh, when High Desert Mavericks were an affiliate, the Mariners did skip over that with some of their pitching prospects, like Taiwan Walker at the time. Um, yeah, minors are supposed to be for development. Personally, I think – so you asked if I if it was my decision if I should send them to the Pacific Coast League or not. That's all going to change player to player. Uh, the mental capability of a pitcher is so hard to grasp. And only the team really knows the makeup to a high extent. Um, so if you can get a guy and tell him, hey, you're going to go out there, you're going to pitch five innings, and you're probably going to allow four runs, and you're going to have an ERA around six for the rest of the season. And he says, okay. And then you say, yeah, but we're going to plan on calling you up. Just keep working on things. Then, yeah, I see no reason why you shouldn't send him to AAA. Get him experience against guys that have played in the majors. Even though they're fringe major leaguers, they are still – major leaguers and you can find out if they're getting outs against these guys or if it's just org fillers are getting outs against i think is huge um you think about let's use uh jabari blash and um jarrett parker for example you know they were down in triple a salt lake this year say an opposing prospect got those guys out those are guys that have a major league feel for the game those are guys that do understand how to become major leaguers so it is important, I think, for pitchers to see that. But at the same time, if your pitcher doesn't understand that he's going to have a 5 or a 6 or a 7 ERA and actually be one of the better pitchers in the league, then no, you don't send him there. That's my personal opinion. Um, and that doesn't go for just the Angels. I'm talking in general. Uh, Pacific Coast League, sad joke. We're, i got to find a way to just do a whole episode of me stupid ranting about the Pacific Coast League this year. <laughs> I don't know if you guys would enjoy that or not, but we'll see. So... Uh, great question, NM Baseball 52. Appreciate that, man. This one here, another prospect one, comes from Marcus Marcos Gutierrez at Res2405. Says, this is not a question, but more of a statement. So I will rephrase this. It's not a question. It's a statement from Marcos. Says, I know MLB Pipeline Top 100 was recently updated, and it was disappointing to not see Jeremiah Jackson on it. Furthermore, only one Angel Farmhand being on it was even more disappointing. So I've, I've gotten to know Marcos a little bit over some uh, conversations over the years. It's not that he's saying that uh, you know the Angels got screwed here or anything. I think I, I get what he's saying. As for Jeremiah Jackson, he's not a top 100 prospect yet. Obviously put up outstanding power numbers in the Pioneer League, but 
contact just isn't there yet, and you're still figuring out the position a little bit. Um, still kind of like a 45-grade prospect at this sense, and he's also never seen full season ball, which is where a lot of those top 100 prospects come from. I'm not saying that he's not going to be one in the future. I'm not going to say he is one in the future, but it's just very early in his pro career to really concern yourself with him being in the top 100. And also, uh, there is sensibility to not having him be a top 100 prospect right now. So I understand that. As for only one Angel Farmhand being on the top 100 being disappointing, I uh, I got to say this. So Brandon Marsh is very close to being top 100. And this is not just a pipeline. This is from Baseball America. And I have conversations with these guys that put together these lists. I have conversations with scouts. And Brandon Marsh is very close. It, he may be one of those guys that's like 110 right now. And the difference between the prospect that's ranked number 75 and the prospect that's ranked 120, it's not a big difference. Um, it kind of comes down to a little bit of opinion, a little bit of performance, you know, certain things. Brandon Marsh is essentially a top 100 prospect. And Fangraphs does a great job of this where uh, prospect grades, you know, a 50-grade prospect or a 55-grade prospect, et cetera, is going to be in the same range. And they don't have like a top 100. They have like a high top 125 or something like this, you know. Um, so it, it makes a little bit more sense. I wouldn't concern myself with that. And also a guy like Jordan Adams is really close to jumping into that top 100 range. Um, for a guy of his age to put the performance up that he did, show the tools, to uh, show the approach that he did for you know his first year of only focusing on baseball, uh, Jordan Adams is very close to this. So it was a, it's a great thought process, great question. Um, but I understand what you're saying about being disappointed not seeing Angels prospects on that top 100, but they, there's some that are very, very close. So last one before we had to break here comes from JRP at JRPSD. As the season winds down, what or who on this team surprised you the most? Uh, I am going to go with a very obvious one and Tommy LaStella. Now, he had a 126 weighted runs created plus, 2.2 war in 78 games. If he'd have doubled up, he would have been a potential four or five win player. Uh, if at his you know rate that he performed at, did not strike out, kind of stayed on par with what he's done in his career. He doesn't strike out, and he never did, uh, even with the Cubs. Always was an on base threat, and I thought to myself, you know, it, it, when I was going through the early in the season, I thought to myself, you know, hey, Tommy Lastella, maybe he'll get on base, you know, at like a like a 340 clip, maybe you can kind of fill him in, uh, spot start him, utility, you know, use him a little bit of a utility platoon role. He ended up being a freaking all-star. <laughs> I mean, how awesome is that? Uh, Tommy Lestella, definitely the biggest surprise for me this year. Happy surprise. I wish he could have stayed healthy, wish he could have played a whole season, and I would have loved to have seen what he could have done with the whole season. Hit 16 home runs, 78 games, hit 300 on the mark, I uh, I would have loved to have seen what Tommy Lestella could have done with an entire season, and it really could have changed the Angels' outcome for the season, I feel like. I feel like he was uh, second most valuable player on the Angels' roster to Mike Trout uh, for you know uh, the time that he played, so uh, definitely someone that I would focus in on as my biggest surprise for the year when it came to the Angels. We got to head to a short break, but before we do that, we got to talk about a new sponsor. Now, this is Breaking Tea. It's a t-shirt company that ties in with the passion moments of sports. They're, they're perfect for Locked On. I love this. These passion moments happen with every team and every fan base, and then Breaking Tea jumps on the moment and takes uh, makes these t-shirts that make the moment live forever. 
These are the moments that our listeners live for. When these moments happen, we'll be uh, joined in with Breaking Tea to make these shirts available for our listeners through www.breakingtea.com slash locked on. Once again, this is Breaking Tea Company, and they make shirts that give you that you know capture the moment of something very exciting, something that I think you should check out. So make sure you go to www.breakingtea.com backslash locked on. Breaking Tea is a great company. We're really excited to have them on. So We'll be right back with more Locked On Angels right after a quick word from our sponsors. Lil Mana bring us into the second segment. They put on such a great show over the weekend at the Forum. Really excited to see them. Hey, we're back with Lockdown Angels. We're doing our Sunday night Twitter question answer that we do every week. We're doing it on Tuesday this week because of uh, audio issues yesterday. And <laughs> I guess my mouth right now is audio issues. I'm tongue-tied through all this. I don't get what's going on. Um, we're going to take your questions, though. This is from our Sunday night Twitter question answer. We're going to start off with one that was asked quite a few times. And it does make quite a bit of sense as to why it was asked. So I'm just going to take these two questions here, kind of both the same way. This one from Apparition at Apparition14. What are your thoughts on Cole Calhoun going forward in regards to his option being picked up for next season? And the next one here from Robbie Duran at Duran underscore Robbie. Do the Angels keep Cole Calhoun for next season until Joe Adele is ready? Um, Sadly, you know, Cole Calhoun has been a heart and soul guy for the Angels for so long. Came up, farm talent. Uh, well, I watched him come up through the California League. And sadly, you know, $14 million, it, it makes sense to keep Cole Calhoun around for that kind of money. But when you have Joe Adele in the lurks and you're looking for pitching and you need money on the open market, uh, you know, the $1 million buyout is so $13 million extra going into the offseason. <sighs> it's going to be tough. I don't think Cole, I think, uh, Cole Calhoun is playing his final week for the Angels under this current contract. Now the angels do have a, a chance to bring him back through free agency, but it's not going to be for that 14 million. And I do think a team is going to give him some pretty fair money over the off season. Um, so I think, uh, I think sadly, I think this may be the final time we see Cole Calhoun and angels uniform for some time. And uh, it's been exciting. It's, it's been great having Cole around being able to interact with him. And I, you know, we don't know for certain, there is no hundred percent certainty that, he is going to be uh, have the $1 million buyout happen. But looking at everything that's going on with the Angels, uh, it just seems like the Angels are ready to move forward. Joe Adele is the future. He is going to be for at least six, seven years for the Angels. And sadly, the, this is a business. So we'll have to see how it all pans out. Which does lead us into our next question from JC Carrillo at JC underscore Carrillo 21. How much money will the Angels have next season to spend on pitching and stay under a luxury tax? Do you think Cole Cahoon will make that $14 million next season? Do you think Albert Pujols should retire next season? So starting off with the money, the Angels will have $31 million roughly coming off the books here. I, no, I apologize. They'll have about $44 million coming off the books. They do have some space between that and the luxury tax as well. Uh, so between the luxury tax and everything outside of arbitration funds uh, that they do have to plan for and set up for, along with midseason funds, uh, they are going to still be looking at about uh, $35 to $40 million this winter that will keep them away from the luxury tax as well. Uh, so that's going to be their deal. I did answer about Cole Calhoun already. And as for Albert Pujols retiring next year, I, I don't think uh, he will. I don't think he should. I would love to see him get to uh, 
700 home runs. It's not going to happen next year, obviously. Um, but I still think he's producing, just not at the level that you want him to. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, next year could be a very make-or-break year for Albert Pujols. He's still under contract regardless of what happens. But if he cannot perform next year, it's a different story. Uh, I still believe he's got just enough left in the tank to kind of keep him around, keep him uh, in that clubhouse especially when you don't really have another answer at first base necessarily at this moment. So I think unless you're planning on moving some guys or you really do trust Matt Theis and Jared Walsh, I still think Albert Pujols is kind of your best answer for first base at the moment. Next question here comes from Stephen Q. Lane. He says, Angels right fielder for next season is dot, 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 question mark. I did counter with another question. I said, on opening day or for the bulk of the season? He said, for the bulk of the season, I said for opening day, probably Brian Goodwin. For the bulk of the season, it seems like Joe Adele is going to be that guy. Uh, he's very close. You got to see what you got out of him from spring training, Arizona Fall League here, uh, as well as the early stages of the season next year. And you have Brian Goodwin to kind of bridge that gap when the time comes. But I think Joe Adele is going to be a primary right fielder for 2020. And if not, you know, Brian Goodwin is not a bad guy to take the bulk load there. Kind of keeping it uh, in-house, Angels-wise, this question comes from Halo Haven at Halo underscore Haven. They do a great job over there. It says, Justin Bohr only has eight at-bats since the start of September. What do you think that means for his role with the Angels next season, or is he gone? Uh, he is under a one-year, $3 million contract, but his contract is tricky because he still gets to go into arbitration. So the Angels technically do get to keep him if they plan on keeping him. Um we know what the potential of Justin Bohr is. It didn't happen this year. I think the Angels kind of have something similar in Justin Bohr, uh, just not as proven when it comes to Jared Walsh. So I don't know if Justin Bohr is really going to be uh, a solution for the Angels right now. Depending on what that arbitration figure is going to be, uh, I don't know. He is a non-tender uh, candidate. And we'll have to see what happens. Justin Bohr, I got to say this, Justin Bohr has been nothing but fantastic when it comes to handling uh, this poor season of his. And he has really owned up to it, uh, does a great job with the community. I think he's a great clubhouse presence, great community presence. I just don't know how his baseball is going to turn out when it comes to playing for the Angels. And uh, wish him the best. I really do. I think he's a fantastic guy. I'm just, I don't know if the Angels are going to be a real answer when it comes to Justin Bohr's baseball career. Uh, if it is, oh man, <laughs> I want to see him go play in Salt Lake for a full year. I think he's going to hit like a hundred home runs. <laughs> It'd be a blast to see it happen down there, but, uh, hey, you can't just store Justin Bourdain down in Salt Lake either. So <laughs> thanks for the question there. Next question here comes from angels, 2020 world series champions at Gonzalez 32 sale, uh, Sal, Sal is a loyal listener and I'm sorry for saying sale instead of Sal, uh, angels to do list this winter. Pitching, 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 um, add a catcher maybe, possibly if he can. And, uh, oh, yeah, that, that other thing, pitching, um, that is the to-do list. Uh, figure out a way to build another pitching staff and, and make this a competitive pitching staff. I think it starts with Garrett Cole. Sometimes that is a solution. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but I think that it's, it's pitching, and that's the one thing that you really have to focus in on. Pair of managerial questions here. The first one comes from John Burke at Jeb Wood. I guess I'll be the first to ask, does Osmus return? I don't know if you were the first to ask, John, but um, 
Brad Osmus is under contract, and I have not heard uh, anything that says he will not be under contract next year or will be released from his current contract. So I do believe Brad Osmus will be the manager of the Angels next year, which leads us to the next question here from Halo Life at uh, underscore Halo Life. If Joe Madden does not return to the Cubs, do you think the Angels would fire Brad Osmus and go with Madden? Madden was Angels' life prior to Tampa, but that was prior to the Moreno era. Maybe wishful thinking by a Halo fan. Uh, yeah, I do think it is wishful thinking. I think Joe Madden, and I understand, I think he is kind of in a, a weird hot seat with Chicago. I don't know if he is going to return, but I, I think the Angels are going to ride it out with Brad Osmus. And I, I don't know... I don't know if Joe Madden is going to be an answer for what the Angels are looking at right now. Um, Joe Madden does great with the players, does great with analytics and things like this, so it would make some sense, but it seems like the Angels did find their guy in Brad Osmus, and uh, whether you like that or not, I think that's kind of what you have to ride it out with for the next uh, two years after this year. Moving on to some questions that involve uh, the 2020 season. Uh, I'm going to take this one first from the Halo Way at Way underscore Halo. With Keenan Middleton back and with Robles handling the job being a closer so well, do you think the Angels could use Middleton the same way they've used Buttry in high-leverage situations so far this season while also taking some pressure off of Buttry? Um, the more high-leverage relievers that you have, the better you're going to be suited for any point in the game. Uh, whatever that high-leverage situation is, you want to be able to use that high-leverage pitcher, whether that's the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, whatever it is. Uh, and the Angels do... they. You have seen Hansel Robles kind of take over this closer role. And I didn't think that the Angels would have a closer role. I thought they'd have high leverage roles, which we saw from Ty Butchery earlier this year. Um, but if Ty Butchery comes and he is, I think that, yes, you do need to take the pressure off of Ty Butchery, not put him as, in as many high leverage situation roles. And Keenan Middleton can give you that. But relievers are tricky because they're ever-changing. It's an ever-changing door. So you're going to have to see Justin Anderson kind of come in and be high leverage. You're going to have to see a couple guys come in and be that high leverage reliever. Uh, maybe you're maneuvering guys from Middleton to the ninth inning and Robles into the eighth. Or you know, it, Like I said, the more high leverage arms you have in your bullpen at your disposal, the better suited your bullpen is going to be and the better treated you're going to have for those top high-leverage guys because they're not going to have this high-pressure situation. So it's a great question. Um, hopefully, Keenan Middleton does return to form. He is such an exciting pitcher for the Angels. So much flair, so much drama, uh, drama to him, and it's so cool to see him out pitching. Uh, the red hair, the the high heat. I mean, <laughs> I would love to see Keenan Middleton come back and be the lights-out pitcher he was uh, just a year ago before the Tommy John. So let's hope that that's the case and see what Keenan Middleton can do. But yes, uh, the Angels do need more high leverage relievers, and Keenan Middleton could provide that. Pair of kind of Shohei Otani questions that kind of go off each other in a weird way. I'm going to take this first one from Justin Allen at One True Rogue. What are your thoughts on my crazy idea to let Shohei Otani bat when he pitches? Since you lose the DH, follow him up with the other two way players like Jared Walsh. Some say not to add the pressure, but they do it with pride in the National League. Congrats on a great first podcast. He said, dude, thank you, Justin. Appreciate that, man. Um, Jared Walsh is not someone that you can just bring in and uh, assume the risk of having him be a reliever. Jared Walsh, does a lot. he's really exciting, and it's fun to see him as a two-way guy. 
but the problem is he's just not like a, a major league reliever in a sense. You're not using him in a situation of a winning scenario, sadly. And we've seen that this year. You know, they've used him in scrap uh, work, and he's picked up kind of the kind of the scrap innings, which is fine. And it's great to have that arm. And Jared Walsh has really exceeded in doing that, which is I think it's really fun and exciting to see. But he's not someone that you're going to say, you know, Shohei Otani goes out, pitches six innings, last three runs, and it's a 4-3 lead for the Angels. I You can't trust Jared Walsh for three innings to hold that one run lead. And that's nothing against Jared Walsh. It's just that's not what he was developed to do. Um, as for also Shohei Otani batting when he pitches and not, not just losing the DH in itself, but having a guy, I mean, I'm not a professional pitcher. I'm not a professional hitter. Uh, but – when I go into, like I said, I played baseball on Saturday. I didn't pitch, but the pressure on my mind just for hitting alone was enough to kind of drive me mad. And I'm thinking, you know, what is this guy going to throw in this count? What's What am I doing? And then you have to think backwards as a pitcher. You have to say, what am I going to throw this guy in this count? Um, I don't think you want to do that to one of your star talents at such a young age. I think Shohei Otani is capable of doing this. But we haven't seen anyone do this since, I mean, gosh, how long has it been since there's been a true two-way player of this talent caliber? Uh, and, uh, you know, Babe Ruth, maybe? I mean, the, there's guys that have been in between since, but still, um, I don't think you want to do that to him. And I don't think the Angels ever will do that to him. I think they've made it very adamant that he is not going to hit on the uh, days he pitches, which is perfectly fine. Um, but just asking a guy to do – to multitask at a professional baseball game, <laughs> I guess is a way to put it. I think it's too hard. So uh, it's a great question, Justin. I appreciate you commenting on the great first year with the podcast. It's been exciting, and I appreciate having you tuning in for the year. And uh, like I said, man, it's a great question, just something that I think that we kind of have to explore a little more internally. And it's something that saying it makes it easy, but doing it makes it almost impossible. So. Next question here comes from Terry West at Broadway Terry, and it has something to do a little bit with Otani. He says, uh, with Shohei Otani and Griffin Canning, far from a sure thing next year, the Angels need at least two and probably three quality starters for next year. Why would Garrett Cole or any other one-two type pitcher want to pitch in a six-man rotation centered around Otani? Changes everything they've done in their career. Now, this is a very valid point. You know, we were ta- I was talking to Terry about this, and I kind of I joked with him, and I said, well, for $400,000 a day or whatever it is, and I get an extra day's rest, sure, I'll take it. You know, I get one extra day off and I'm still making $400,000 a day. Yeah, give me that. But I was kidding. Um, he has a point. Pitchers have a routine. And pitching every five days or whatever it is, that's a routine. And going through your life that way, and pitchers are very routine-based. And I thought Terry made a great point about this. That is something that is going to be on the team, the agent, the player, and that conversation, which may even include the owner. And when it comes to Garrett Cole, you know, if you're explaining to this to, let's say Garrett Cole, right? We're talking about Garrett Cole in specifics, telling him, hey, we want you every sixth day. We don't want you every fifth day. We want you every sixth day. And this is why. And to explain that to him and try and figure that out, you know, that could be a make or break point. It very well easily could be. Um, But at the same time, if it's something that Garrett agrees with and he views it and he sees, hey, I've got an extra day off or whatever, Oh boy, you know that's a new that's a new pitch that you can use in your sales pitch, you know. And uh, it's like I said, Terry brought up a great point. And this routine that pitchers have, pitchers are a different animal in themselves, and it's a very smart question. 
as to why Garrett Cole may or may not come. But say the flip side where Garrett Cole says, yeah, I want that extra day of rest and I can work my routine around this, change my body into doing this every sixth day. Uh, well, there you go. You got Doug White, you got Max Stassi, you got a couple, you know, $100 million and you get an extra day off. Who knows? Maybe Garrett Cole's going to kind of be thrilled about that. So great question, Terry, and it really made me think, so I appreciate that. One final question this week comes from the coach at T.E. Bucky Jake. I believe that's what it is, and uh, the coach, if you're listening in and you hear this, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sorry about that, but coach asks, do you think the organization considers the way they handle starting pitchers as a success, and should we expect to see more of it in the future, a.k.a. using openers and limiting innings for starters? Um, I think we're seeing a lot of teams do this. The opener, so I, I've been very open about the, ah, I'm open about the opener. Haha, ha, touche. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. I think that you should develop pitchers into going through an order a third time, and that is the reason why you use the opener. But aside from that, uh, I think the Angels have used it to a success. We look at the statistics of the opener. We look at this, uh, the information that is used a third time through the order for the Angels. And I think that that's something that we are going to see the Angels do until pitchers start doing better the third time through the order. And we're going to see it for specific guys. We saw it earlier in the year with Jaime Berea, um, Jose Suarez, Felix Pena. And it ended up turning out different as the year went on. And we saw how it was played out. Uh, like I said, I'm not a big fan of it, but that's just me. And I totally understand it. And I'm not uh, butchering anything when it comes to this. As for limiting innings for starters... Yes, uh, I think it's very important to just watch the workload and watch what you're doing. The Angels are throwing more breaking balls than ever, which is going to put more stress on the elbow. And you have to kind of watch the – I think pitch total is really what you have to watch for. Um, when it comes to inning caps, you have to watch on that. And not everyone is going to be Justin Verlander or CC Sabathia and throw you know thousands of innings in their career. Um, it just doesn't work that way and stay healthy their entire career, oddly, you know, however it is. Um, so for a guy like Griffin Canning, who you still have to work up to become a 150 inning pitcher or 150 innings a year kind of pitcher. Yeah. You aren't going to have him just go out and do it. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, you're not going to just have him go out and throw 2000 pitches this year. You're not going to have him go up to 150 innings when he's never done it. You're not going to have certain guys do things. The one thing I think we are going to see next year that's going to be very different is uh, reliever usage. I don't think we're going to see Ty Buttry going out 70 times in a year next season. I don't think we're going to see any uh, Angels reliever really going out 70 times a year next year unless it's someone that is – no, I honestly – I mean, it, the lefty specialist rule where you have to face three min uh, three batter minimum, I don't even think that's going to be a, a scenario anymore where we're not going to see Scott Shields. We're not going to see Oliver Perez. We're not going to see – um. Uh, Jose Alvarez go out 70, 80 times a year and pitch every second day. I don't think that's going to be a, a thing, and I think that's something the Angels will consider. But I do think you are going to see the opener used. I think you're going to see uh, limited innings. And this isn't just the Angels. I think you're going to see this cross baseball. And I think it is – I think you're starting to see whether the information is successful or is not. We haven't gotten into that point. And I'm not talking about the Angels. I'm talking about baseball in general. Is this information valid enough – and do we have a large enough sample size to get successful or unsuccessful results? So maybe next year we get to that point and we stop seeing the opener be used. Maybe it's five years down the road. Maybe it's 10 years down the road. But we still have to get to a certain sample size. And we don't. I, I don't know what that sample size is. 
but these general managers likely do. I haven't asked that question about uh, if they do know the answer to that, which I think is something I'm going to have to look into. So thank you, coach. I appreciate that. And hey, if you're a coach and you're using this in high school or uh, middle school, whatever league you're using it in, and this is something that you're planning on using, I would love to hear about it. I want to hear your your explanation of this. I think it would be really interesting to see how this is changing youth baseball or amateur baseball uh, as a whole. I'm not talking, you know, amateur. I'm talking college baseball as well. If this is going to be a change, it would be really interesting to see how this is changing baseball, not from a major league perspective, but from an entire perspective of pitching. So if you're a coach out there and you're listening to the show, please, please send me a tweet at Taylor Blake Ward or send me an email, taylorblakeward at yahoo.com. I would love to hear this. So, hey, thanks for listening in, everybody. I appreciate all your questions. I appreciate you tuning in. And thank you for your patience also with the show. The audio issues were so frustrating and had me just climbing up a wall. But we're back. We're going to have a full week for you. Really excited to bring Lockdown Angels back to you. Like I said, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Angels. You can follow me personally at Taylor Blake Ward. Also, make sure to download today's show through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own through Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. We already told you about following us on Twitter, but if you want to be a part of the show next week, make sure you are following me on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward. I'll send out a tweet uh, Sunday night about 9 p.m. Pacific time saying, hey, send me any and all your baseball questions. The best ones will make the show on Monday morning, even though we're recording on Tuesday today. But <laughs> you want to be a part of the show, make sure you do that. Thanks again for tuning in. We had a wonderful show. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. For Lockdown Angels, I'm Taylor Blake Ward. Stay nasty, Anaheim. We'll see you tomorrow.